Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first episode. I'm your host, Vincent Young, and today we're kicking off a fresh season with five or six episodes to come. This season is part of a book about product-led sales that's coming out soon, but more on that at the end of the episode. First, let's get to our guest for today. I have the pleasure of having Francisca Detlefsen with me. Francisca is the head of growth marketing at Amplitude, where she's leading the charge on new user acquisition, activation, and monetization. Prior to that, she was the head of growth at Iterative, which was acquired by Amplitude, and she built out the marketing function at Snowplow Analytics. All in all, she's been doing growth for product analytics companies for the past six years, and also advises startups in the data and infrastructure space on their growth. After starting her career in Copenhagen, she's nowadays based in New York. And when not working, you'll find her outside in nature, riding horses or scuba diving. On today's episode, we'll talk about the self-serve plan Amplitude introduced late last year and how it affected their existing go-to-market. All right. Hi, Francisca. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm quite excited about this. We're going to have a behind-the-scenes look into how the latest plus plan at Amplitude came to life. And why I think that's interesting is because a lot of companies that are considering to do PLG are actually doing something else today, often sales. And I'd love to learn more about how did that decision come to be? How did the sales organization back the idea? But before we get to that, can you start by giving us a bit more context of this new self-service plan that you introduced? You had a free trial already. How was this different and why did you do it? Great questions. Amazon has had a, a free plan for many years, and that has been a big part of how we been driving sales pipeline. So a lot of our customers start on our free plan, use it for a few weeks, a few months, a few years, depending on who they are. And then we've been using that free plan to help sales look for the right opportunities at the right time. But as we've been doing that for the past few years, we learn a lot from our customers around their needs and also our sales process. We heard from our customers that Amplitude was somewhat expensive. So going from paying zero to paying 30,000 or more dollars a year is a big jump. And simultaneously, internally at Amplitude, we also continuously went down market for especially the SMB segment and started selling our, our plans at a lower cost to meet the customer where they were. And so from a sales perspective, it also didn't make so much sense to have humans in the process selling these lower price plans that were hovering around 10, 20K a year. So that was a big part of the motivation of introducing a self-serve plan. It was what the customers wanted. And it also would drive efficiency internally at Amplitude. So we could have our sales team focus at the higher price points. So that was the main motivation internal and external. Besides that, we also made some significant changes to our pricing and packaging more broadly. We've been, as a company, expanding our suite of products. So we actually have more of a, a platform offering now, and we wanted to bring that to our free and self-serve customer base as well. So with the introduction of this self-serve plan, we also made some fundamental changes to what we offer. We're actually giving away a lot more for free now, as well as on the self-serve plan. We want to give our customers what they need to be successful across experimentation, analytics, and customer data management. So we're giving away small increments for free, 
so they can get started, what they need as a as an early stage startup or, or early stage company. And then as they mature and can grow without plus plan, we give them access to even more and then following the classic good, better, best pricing model. Interesting. And those reasons that you mentioned, though, they, they wouldn't have been new. When the original plan was put into place, I'm sure that people would have considered there's also this segment of customers that wants to buy at this price point. So what had changed that made the company reconsider? That's a good question. We had different people in the company, including myself, that were advocating for this. We've seen in the market some of our competitors offering it. So it was really about internal pressure from, we had Elena Verna was our interim head of growth. She was a big champion of this. Myself and others were looking at what was going on in the market, what our customers were saying, and we we're putting this idea forward with the leadership team and slowly convincing them that this was the route approach, lots of conversations and slide building and model building around like the opportunity we had in front of us if we introduced this self-serve plan and the efficiencies we could drive as well. I don't know if there was like a single point in time, but I've been working on this personally for over two years now. It's been through many different phases of testing and discovery and experimentation and many different phases of leadership buy-in and convincing that this was the right approach. That must be great to see it come to life after those two years. You mentioned two things already there, experimentation and model building. And I want to double click on that a bit more. And how did you build the confidence in the organization that this was the better approach? I can talk a little bit about the experimentation we've gone through internally as a company, testing the plan in market without promoting it officially. And then I can talk a bit about the other part of convincing, which is building a proper forecasting model around what this could bring in from a revenue perspective and including what possible cannibalization we would see from the sales-led business and so on. So on experimenting with the plan, we've had three versions of, of the self-serve plan live in the product. And the first version went live August of last year. This has been a long time in the making. The goal initially was to show that it was possible for the product to sell itself if we made that available in the product. And so the first iteration was pretty basic. We've shuffled features around and introduced this sort of V1 plus plan in the product. We didn't tell anyone about it. And we also only showed the plan to very few of our free customers. We had sales tell us what customers to exclude. We excluded anyone with open opportunities, anyone that sales was trying to go after based on usage. So it was a very small group of customers that we exposed the, the plan to. And we also got very few purchases of that plan. But V1 was really mostly about showing the company that it was possible that if we did put this offer in the product, the product could to some extent sell itself. We didn't have a lot of bells and whistles around paid feature discovery or awareness or even interaction with the paid features, but we simply put the plan in there and without any work and a subset of customers, we could show that it was able to get purchased and people were using it. So that was phase one. Phase two, we worked pricing and packaging more and we opened it up more. So we slowly worked towards convincing our sales teams and our leadership teams that 
this is the right approach. They got more and more bought in. And so we were able to, with some feedback on pricing and packaging, release a V2 of this plan and release it to all customers in the product. No more sales exclusions or restrictions on who could see it. We still weren't able to promote it or put it on our website or anything like that. It was still only in product. And so slowly but surely, we showed that, again, having it in the product, having more people have access to it means we have more people purchasing it. And we kept iterating on that version for quite a while. And then we had some strategic changes around pricing and packaging more broadly, going to market more as a platform. So we had the opportunity to make a V3 of the offering, which is what it is now, that includes more features from our additional products, combining them into that self-serve platform that we have today. And then from there, we set up an official launch date and, and got it out the door. We had a soft launch from that as well, making sure everything was working as expected. So we slowly rolled this out again without a big splash. And then on October 17th is when we officially launched this in market, made a big splash about it as well from a marketing perspective, got pricing up on our website and officially brought it out. But yeah, that was almost a year and a half after the first version of the plan was conceived in the product. So a really long journey, which shows how much convincing and how much testing and how many iterations we had to go through before we felt good about what we were officially launching. Sounds like a diligent release process indeed. The objections that came initially, you, you touched on them a bit already. In my view, they're always very valid concerns, but it doesn't mean they can't be overcome. Can you talk a bit about what were the concerns that were coming from the revenue organization? Yeah, I, I can speak to that and also in relation to the model building and forecasting, which I, I didn't touch on earlier. But we spend a lot of time on building out the revenue opportunity of introducing the self-serve plan with very realistic numbers based on the data that we were gathering through our alpha and, and beta versions of the plans. And also with that same lens, what kind of impact the plan had now that it was in the product on our sales pipeline to ensure that we weren't cannibalizing sales pipeline in a negative way. We wanted plus to be additive, not a canalization of what we were making through the sales that motion already. We knew that it would be some canalization and that was okay. We actually do want sales to not sell the, the 15K a year plan. We want them to focus on those more uh, lucrative deals and have the product sell that 15K plan. Understanding canalization was a big, that was a big concern. We're going to at a lower price point, sell this plan, which is great for customers, but we're not going to make the revenue that we need to grow at the rate that we need to. So in all the models that we built, we focus a lot on canalization and mapping out what canalization could be from net new customers that we wouldn't land that would now go on a self-serve plan, as well as existing customers that we have that would potentially downgrade to this new plan as well. And we were able to level set with leadership and the sales org that while some canalization would happen, net this would be additive and show over time how this could become a, a significant part of our revenue streams, a, a healthy self-serve business that runs 24-7. It's not relying on humans to be out 
selling or not on vacation or whatever else, this is going to be an engine that will power the business for the long run and help sales become way more focused and efficient. You mentioned you wanted to talk a bit more about the model. Yeah, it was part of that, but I, I can talk about the levers we have in the model. It was a, a big work stream that we're still fine tuning as we get more data, which is great as we learn more about um, how the, the plan is acting out in the real world. We can continue to fine tune what the forecasting will look like in end of next year, end of 2025. So the main inputs we're thinking about in this model are really the full PLG journey. So we can influence how many users, how many new users come to our website every week, every month. We can influence how many of those users sign up for our free plan. So how many of the visitors that we have end up signing up? Can we increase that conversion rate? That's a lever in itself. Once they've signed up, how many of them activate? So how many of them actually get started with Amplitude? Amplitude is a relatively difficult product to get started with. You generally, not always, but you generally need engineering resources. It's not a single player tool unless you're an engineer. If you're a PM, you got to ask your engineer for help. If you're a growth person, you also have to ask an engineer. Maybe you need permissions to other tools where the data is. It's not easy. So our activation rate has been hovering around I would say 20, 20%, 25%. And so already there, that's a huge lever, right? Can you improve the number of users who activate in your product? That's something that will have downstream effects on, on monetization. But you also have to keep these users engaged over time. So as they activate and start using the product, do they continue using the product? And do we have what we need to keep them engaged? So that's another lever. And then there's monetization, right? How many of the customers that are active in our product or over total customers will buy the plus plan? There will always be a, a big percentage that won't buy. So how can we improve that percentage? We're looking at best practices around 3% conversion rate of total customer base, which we're not quite at just yet by any means, but working towards that and having that as another lever in the model. And then we have our existing free customer base, which is a big part of our user base today, we have been having this plan for years and years. So what percentage of our existing customers can we attract with this new offering as well? So those are some of the main levers we have that we can apply different levels of conviction in and investment in. So that's also how we're structuring our teams to go and focus on these various levers and, and improving the conversion rates between each stage and the journey. That's really interesting. And, and I can imagine that when you're talking about the setup rate where it might require multiple people that you might even consider the other way around again, maybe it, it needs people here to drive a certain part of them to get for it. It's always a balance. So I think there's generally a sentiment from the company that when we say self-serve, we mean self-serve. Um, but my teams are always looking for ways that we can use humans in a scalable way. So this would be things like we run one too many implementation office hours where it's not a one-to-one -one experience, but we get lots of people in and they can ask their questions and they have a forum to have some time with a specialist that will guide them on how they get tracking started. We also have a big investment in education as a company. So Amplitude Academy is is a, a, a big resource where we have lots of courses and education resources. 
So that's another way where we try to scale humans in a way. And then we have our community efforts as well, where we run a lot of how-to style webinars to show how you use Amplitude, how you expand your use cases, how you use the product essentially, and, and what the best practices are. And then we're considering other experiments with what if we introduced a, a 30 minute call when you buy the self-serve plan or a check-in or anything like that, that we can do to ensure that you are adopting the features in the premium plan that you pay for. So you will see the value and continue to pay us for that plan. One thing you mentioned that I wanted to ask you about is you mentioned, even though you've been testing this for one and a half years already, it's only been a few months that the market truly knows about it. So what have you learned since then? Or is there anything you can share so yeah, far? Uh, having it be officially out makes a huge difference. So I think that's a good learning that maybe that's obvious, but having it in the product and finding ways to surface it in the product is good. But having it out in the world and on your marketing website, on the pricing page, front and center, definitely makes a huge uh, difference in terms of people signing up in the first place, but also how many end up buying it. We actually have a good amount of customers that get started and immediately upgrade to this new plan, which was also another thing that was surprising to us. We thought everyone was going to start on the free plan for a while before reaching one of our limits and then upgrading to the paid plan. Another learning we've had so far is that some of us, I, I wouldn't maybe say I personally was in that camp, but a lot of sales leadership and leadership at large were skeptical around the product being able to sell 20K, 30K price points, 20K a year, putting down on a credit card. That seemed like a big investment that people would want to talk to sales or human to do those things. But once we launched the latest version of Plus, we increased the tiers that you were able to purchase. And We've actually seen a, a decent amount, I think north of 10% of customers buying higher tiered plans that some of us were skeptical anyone would go and do. Um, and so that was really a proof to this working, even in the sort of the tier where sales potentially could still operate. Obviously, there are benefits to self-serve. You can pay monthly versus yearly. And also a lot of people just don't want to talk to sales, right? They just want to go on their way and use the thing. Maybe they've used Amplitude before. They don't need a demo. They don't need help. They just want to get started. So that was another big learning. The other learning and, and muscle that we still have to build out is around retention and churn. Monthly payments, monthly schedule, very low priced item. We go as low as $60, $60 a month. Also increases the chances of customers churning. They're just testing it out or... Maybe they didn't like it, or maybe they didn't see the, the ROI. So churn is something that we anticipated to be high, but are still navigating and figuring out how do we best address? How do we make sure that when someone starts paying us, that they feel that it's worth it and continue to feel that it's worth it? So this is really about education and making sure that our customers adopt this new plan, which is not something that we've done in the past because we didn't have the plan and we didn't invest a lot of resources in that part. So that's an area of opportunity for us to make sure that we retain these customers at a higher rate. I think those are some of the main highlights. Great. Thank you so much for walking us through some of these experiences. I think it's great 
to see what can happen during this process. I'll give the floor to you for a second. Is there anything you want to say to the people listening? Yeah, I think maybe one thing I didn't touched on is when you go from sales-led to product-led in the way that we've done, at least, I think you can apply it to other companies. We've had a, an amazing, a really amazing sales team that has been able to sell our product and, and now platform. So they've been talking to free customers every day, convincing them that they should upgrade to our paid plans for these extra features, added benefits, etc. So they've done all the selling. The product hasn't had to do any of this selling. It's just had to be there and, and do its thing, like being useful. So as you move into the product having to do the selling, that's a massive thing that is a massive work stream that you need to deploy dedicated resources to. You can't just release the thing and expect that people will find the thing and use the thing and pay for the thing. You have to educate them, make it visible to them, show what the feature is, maybe even give them access to the feature in, in some way, shape, or form. Um, that that whole stream of aid feature awareness, discoverability, education, that cannot be underestimated. And it cannot be too separate from releasing a self-serve plan because you might release it and then not get the results that you want. And that's definitely something we saw in the early days. We weren't really making a, a huge increase in free-to-pay conversion, but we had also not invested in that paid feature discoverability or awareness. That's something I would, anyone who is out there exploring this route, going from adding product-led to a, a sales-led uh, monetization motion, you've got to invest in this and you need dedicated growth marketers, you need dedicated engineers, dedicated PMs, maybe even dedicated data analysts to understand the user journeys and what works and what doesn't and continuously optimize this experience because this is going to be a key lever for you as you grow as well. So you're going to require less salespeople and that's going to be more efficient for you, but it's not just remove the salespeople and don't add anything on the growth side of the house, right? We've added more engineers on our teams. We've added more growth marketers. And so it's an efficient investment and there's compounding effects that you don't get with sales team, but it's an investment nonetheless. Don't forget to do that because <laughs> otherwise you're going to come knocking six months from now and be like, Francisco, we did this, but we didn't get anyone to buy it. And that would be like, you didn't invest in that experience that sales has been doing one-to-one -one for years and been doing really well. That's a, that's a huge learning and area I would double down on. Yeah, I could not agree more. So thank you for highlighting that. It's so important to actually make it work. It doesn't do it by itself. Great. Thank you. Thanks for going through this with us. Yes, the Amplitude Plus plan. Do you want to say anything about that before we close off? Yeah, yeah. I think the Plus plan is great. Our free plan is great as well. The platform offering we have in market now doesn't include only analytics, but also experimentation and feature management capabilities as well as data management and data integration features. So we're going to market with an offering that is a suite of products that you need to get started. So you don't need to go add all these point solutions as you're getting started with your business. Go check that out and also check out all the particular programs we have for startups as well. We have added benefits if you're if you're just getting started. All right. Fantastic. Thank you, Francesca. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of the first episode. 
Many great insights today on how to build internal support for a product-led approach and how to make sure your product is actually ready to sell when you want to make the switch. I hope you enjoyed it. As I mentioned in the beginning, the interviews in this podcast season are part of a book on product-led sales, which is coming out within a few months from now. If you want to get early access, then go to www.plgandsales.com. And thanks for listening, and I hope you'll tune in for the next episode in which I'll be talking with Cal Poyar about pricing challenges when introducing PLG in a sales-driven business. Thank you, and see you there.